0: Well, we're kind of making it a habit of getting together like this, aren't we? I know this is not everything you want it to be, and that's certainly not everything I want it to be either, but I am glad that we can get together and we can worship by means of video, and as God's people, we can still rejoice in this time as we celebrate the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and his death there for us and his glorious resurrection. That we'll be experiencing on Easter Sunday. Well, for the message today, we're going to look at the seventh saying, the seventh statement that Jesus made from the cross, and we find it in Luke chapter 23, beginning at verse 44. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. The cross of Jesus Christ is of extreme and supreme importance. One of the things that sometimes bothers me is how little that we hear the cross preached on. That's especially true if you think about preachers on TV. Often we hear sermons about everything else and very little about the cross of Jesus Christ, which is the means of our salvation. In pulpits all across America, People are being told that man's problem is a lack of self-esteem. And so what he needs is positive thinking. Others say that man's problem is ignorance. And so what he needs is education. Others say that man's problem is poverty. And so he needs money. Others say that man's problem is the environment. And so what we need is an equal opportunity. But the Bible says that man's problem is sin. And what we need is a Savior who died for our sins upon the cross. And so we dare not miss the message of the cross. In these final words that Jesus spoke from the cross, into your hands I commit my spirit, I believe that in essence he was saying to his heavenly father, mission accomplished. I've accomplished the work that you sent me here to do. I want us to look at this seventh statement from the cross today, and as we do, there are four quick observations that I want to make about that statement, and then we'll do some application. First of all, Jesus died actually. Jesus' death on the cross, it really happened. It was not an illusion. The scripture said in verse 46 that we just read that he breathed his last. Jesus died upon that cross. He didn't just pass out. He actually died. When the soldiers came to break the legs of those being crucified in order to hasten their deaths, they didn't break the legs of Jesus because he was already dead. And just to make sure, They thrust him in the side with a spear to make sure that he was dead, and sure enough, he was. Jesus died actually, but there's a second observation I want to make. Jesus died confidently. He died confidently. He addressed God in this seventh statement as Father. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now, the first time that Jesus uh, addressed God from the cross. He addressed him as Father. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But later on the cross, Jesus addressed God again, and this time he said, my God, my God, why? Have you forsaken me? It was during that time that the sins of a whole world were placed upon Jesus and God the Father who has eyes that are so pure that he cannot look upon evil. He had to turn his back on his son. But now the mission has been accomplished and the relationship has been restored. And so Jesus once again addresses God as Father. And so he says, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Think about that statement, into your hands. You see, for the last 12 hours, Jesus had been suffering at the hands of men in the garden. The hands of men took hold of him and bound him. The hands of men stripped him. The hands of men slapped him and pulled out his beard. The hands of men cruelly whipped him within an inch of his life. The hands of men pressed a crown of thorns down over his head. The hands of men drove spikes into his hands and his feet. And now the hands of the heavenly father would receive him. Jesus died, actually. Jesus died confidently. But there's a third observation I want us to see, and that is Jesus died willingly. Notice that last part of the statement, I commit my spirit. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Jesus committed himself to the cross and to all that involved, even death. What happened there on Calvary did not happen because man willed it to be so. What happened there was because God willed it to be so. It was God's will that Jesus would die and become the eternal once and for all sacrifice for our sins. In the Garden of Gethsemane, before Jesus went to the cross, Jesus prayed there in the garden and he said, if it be possible let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless not my will but your will be done. And so from that moment on Jesus went willingly to the cross. He could have called the legions of angels to come to his rescue, but he didn't. He willingly laid down his life. In John's Gospel, in John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, Jesus talked about his willingness to go to the cross. And there he said, Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my." Father. And so on the cross, Jesus' life was not taken. Jesus' life was given for you and for me. So Jesus died actually. He died confidently. Jesus died willingly. But then number four, the fourth observation, Jesus died victoriously. When Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, it was a cry of victory. The price of our salvation had been paid, and God the Father accepted the sacrifice of his son as payment for our sins. That's why the scripture says that the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top down to the bottom. If man had torn the veil, it would have been torn from bottom to top. But because God tore the veil, it was torn from the top to the bottom. There was no need for a priest to go into the Holy of Holies to offer any more lambs because the perfect lamb had been sacrificed now on the cross. The mission had been accomplished. Can you imagine the welcome that Jesus received when he turned, when he returned back to heaven from his earthly mission. You know that's prophesied about in the Old Testament. In Psalm chapter 24, verses 7 through 10, these verses are related to that time. Hear them now. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Let me try that again. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. And what was prophesied there in the Old Testament, the Apostle Paul talked about it in the New Testament in the book of Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Uh, Here's what Paul has to say about that. Let me locate that. Here we are, Philippians 2, 7 through 11. Speaking of Jesus here, but he made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death, on the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, Jesus died victoriously. So let's think about where we've been. Jesus died actually. Jesus died confidently. Jesus died willingly. And Jesus died victoriously. You know, the way Jesus died impacts how we die. Have you ever thought about how you'll die? I know that's a subject that most of us don't want to think about. But it's something that's going to be a reality someday unless Jesus comes and takes us out in the rapture first. Have you ever thought about how you'll die? John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist denomination, gave this statement about death as what could rightly be called the final apologetic for the Christian faith, the final defense of the Christian faith. And here's what John Wesley said. He said, our people die well. Think about that. Christians die well. I like that. Lost people, they don't die well. Many lost people die screaming and cursing the God that they never believed in. The radio uh, shock jock, uh, Howard Stern, who, who is an atheist. Howard Stern thinks he has this all figured out. I read something not long ago where he said, here's what happens when you die. You're put into a box and you get eaten by worms. I guarantee you that when you die, nothing cool happens. That was Howard Stern's words. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? If Howard Stern doesn't accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, when he dies, nothing cool will happen. Hell will be his home as would be the case with anyone who refuses Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm so glad that for Christians, when death comes, we don't die like unbelievers die. There's a difference between how believers die and unbelievers. You know, one of the things that has blessed me so much about studying this seventh statement of Jesus from the cross, is the number of notable people who have died saying something very similar to what Jesus said in that statement, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. For example, think about about Stephen. There in the book of Acts, we're told about Stephen being stoned to death. And as Stephen was about to die, his last words were, Lord Jesus receive my spirit. Almost the same thing that Jesus said in that Sabbath statement from the cross. Others down through the years of history have said similar things. People like Bishop Polycarp who was martyred for his faith, Charlemagne, Thomas Becket, John Huss, Christopher Columbus, Martin Luther, Philip Melanchthon, Mary Queen of Scots, and John Knox, all of them said something very similar to what Jesus said when he died upon the cross. Christians die well. And again, I ask you the question, what will it be like when you die? What will it be like? Now none of us know the circumstances of our death. Are we just going to live to a ripe old age and and die in our sleep? You know most of us if we have to die that's the way we would choose it. I mean if it can't be the rapture then Lord let me die in my sleep. But what if somebody listening to this right now would die soon in a car accident or the coronavirus, or whatever it may be, I'm not trying to scare you. If you're a Christian, I'm trying to do the exact opposite of scaring you. If you're a Christian, I am saying to you, you don't have to worry about it. You don't even have to be afraid of that moment when it happens at the end of your life. What will death be like for you? Well, I submit to you that because Jesus died on the cross, for you, and because of his glorious resurrection, death will be a wonderful and a blessed experience for you and for me. Jesus has gone before us, and he has taken the gloom out of the grave, and he has taken the sting out of death. Jesus has stepped into the chilly waters of death, and now that he has taken that first polar plunge, the Lord Jesus has turned around to you and me, and he said, come on in. The water's just fine. We don't have to worry about death when it comes. I once heard a story about a little girl who was dying of leukemia, and it's so sad when a child has a disease like that, and and they're dying, and that was the case with this little girl, and Her mother was there in the room with her as she neared the point of death, and the mother was crying. And that little girl, in that moment, she tried to comfort her weeping mother. And she said, Mommy, please don't cry. And the mother said, Oh, honey, I can't help but cry some when I see what's happening to you. And that little girl, she said this, she said, Mommy, Do you remember back last summer when we were on a picnic and as we were eating the food, a bee came and it landed on your arm and it stung you and you said, ouch, and then that bee flew around and a little bit later, the bee landed on my arm and I got all scared about it. But mom, you remember what you said to me? You looked at me and you said, now, honey, don't you be afraid that bee can't hurt you because that bee stung me, and right here is its stinger. It left its stinger in my arm, and so that bee cannot hurt you, because it left its stinger in me. Well, Mama, one day death was flying around, and death stung the Lord Jesus on the cross, and because death left its stinger in Jesus, death cannot hurt me today. That's pretty good for a little girl dying of leukemia, isn't it? Well, here's what I think death will be like for a believer. Did you ever have the experience as a little child? You went to sleep somewhere, and then mysteriously you woke up and you were in your own bed. (laughs) Most of us have had that to happen somewhere along the way, haven't we? I remember when I was a little boy, I can think of so many times when I would get sleepy in the back seat of a car as we were coming back home from visiting uh, our grandparents. And we would get back home. I would be fast asleep in the back seat of the car. But I woke up the next morning and I wasn't in the backseat of the car. I was in my own bed. Why? Because somebody else took me there. Somebody else put me there. I can think of sometimes as a child, I would play in the floor and I would play so hard and it would get late, and I would get sleepy. And sometimes I would just go to sleep right there in the floor. But mysteriously, I would wake up in my own bed in the morning. How did that happen? Well, I finally began to understand that the way I got there is two strong arms reached down my daddy's arms, and they picked me up and they carried me to where I was supposed to be. I think death will be like that for the believer who can say with Jesus, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, how thankful and eternally grateful we are that when we come to the moment of death, we can say, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And the reason that we can be assured of that at the moment of death is because in life, we've made a a conscious choice. We've made a decision to place our lives in your hands. And so Lord, whether it be life or whether it be death, It's all okay because we have you. We're saved. Our sins have been forgiven. We've been made clean. You've declared us righteous by your death on the cross and the blood that your son Jesus shed for us. And therefore, we can go to heaven. And Father, if there be someone today who's not received Christ as their Lord and Savior, may they repent of their sins now and place saving faith in Jesus and receive him as the Lord of their life, come into their lives, and change them completely. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, and thank you so much for listening today.